with that, I'm going to jump straight in and start with uh, NFTs. So NFTs are non-fungible tokens. I think it's a horrible name. Um, I think it was a huge mistake of the crypto community to use something that sounds so foreign to everyone. Um, I think digital assets would have been a much easier concept. Uh, but, you know, basically concept is a unique item carried on the blockchain, verifiable as legitimate and one-off in nature. That's what non-fungible means in the most basic sense. Um, you know, people in the early uh, start of this would have kind of two big common complaints about NFTs. Uh, the first one is commonly known as right-click save as. Can't I just take that picture that you own and right click on my computer and save it? Well, yes, you can. Um, you can also draw your own version of any famous painting and I can take a high quality photo print of a uh, very valuable baseball or basketball or football card, uh, but it won't be legitimate and it won't be worth anything. And so, you know, to me, the right click save as concept is is just, it's just silly, right? I could uh, have a team of engineers build a car that looks like a Lamborghini, but it's not gonna be worth a half a million dollars. Um, you know, the, the blockchain makes things unique, verifiable, and uh, verifies that uniqueness and allows you to have value to it. Uh, the other big place that we lose people in the NFT space is the basic concept that um, collectible items are worth way too much money. Um, and if you're not following the art markets or the physical collectibles markets, uh, they're worth a lot of money. The most expensive baseball, basketball, football cards trade for upwards of three to five million dollars. Now, you might think that's totally stupid. And if you had an extra three to five million dollars laying around, you might not choose to buy a Tom Brady rookie card or a LeBron James rookie card. You might think that's absolutely insane. Uh, but that is the market price for very rare sports collectibles. Um, same thing across, you know, highly historical documents, very famous autographs. Obviously, the, you know, the collectible art market can get into the 100 million plus range. And you might think that is total insanity. You might think that that is the craziest way for billionaires to spend money or rich people to spend money. Uh, but that is the market for rare items of significance in those different areas. And so you have to look at NFTs or other collectibles, digital collectibles in the context of that is what important pieces of art, culture, history, sports, that's what they're worth. Um, and so you have to look at them in that kind of eye. And that's kind of the, the second big complaint. And I, I get that. And I wouldn't probably, if I were sitting on $100 million, waste $5 million buying a Luka Doncic rookie card or Lionel Messi rookie card, but somebody else is willing to, and that's the market for highly important collectibles. Okay. So a little bit of history on the, in the NFT market. Some of you might have seen this, some of you might not. The first big kind of NFT project that really took off was CryptoKitties, started by a group called Dapper Labs in 2017. Uh, they um, launched these cute little collectible cats uh, because, you know, what was popular in the early days of the internet and YouTube and places were cat videos. So they thought cats are cool. Let's do cats. And they were a fun little game. You could uh, breed the cats. You could put little hats on the cats. There were cat video games and it was cute. Um, it did take off. Prices did go up. Uh, not total tulip mania, beanie babies level prices, but prices went up. And it was the first kind of commercial success on the internet um, of NFTs. Around that same time, um, a project called CryptoPunks was released in 2017. 
Uh, these were small little pixelated heads. Um, and some of them had hats and some had cigarettes and some had glasses and hoodies and some were green to be zombies and some were aliens and so on and so on. Uh, but 10,000 of these were sold. Nobody wanted them. You could have gotten a CryptoPunk in 2017 for like $20. Um, around 2020, they started to become interesting. People looked at them as one of the original projects of significance. They started to take on art-like significance and the prices started going up a whole lot. It started to become a digital flex. Um, I could go take a picture on a private jet and post it on my Instagram, or I could buy a really cool, fun crypto punk, and it signified wealth and culture. And you know, celebrities started buying these, and the prices rocketed. And now the most expensive crypto punks are worth five million dollars, like just like the most expensive Tom Brady or LeBron James cards. Um, the uh, base price to get a crypto punk is a couple hundred grand, about 300,000 right now. Uh, the other thing that happened is people who bought crypto punks wanted to show them off and they changed their profile picture on Twitter and Discord and other places to be their crypto punk instead of a picture of themselves. And so they started to take on the um, moniker PFP for Profile Picture Project. PFP is a Profile Picture Project. And it basically means just a project that is popular enough that I wanna make it my profile picture on social media. I wanna show that I own this and I'm willing to literally re remove my face and replace it there. Um, CryptoPunks, as I said, started to gain some, some momentum in 2020. Also late 2020, really early 2021 was the launch of NBA Top Shot, Dapper Labs after their success with CryptoKitties. Uh, raised a bunch of money, cut a deal with the NBA, probably the best well-known property in the world, and released um, digital highlights in collectible format. Uh, they were pretty quickly a hit, didn't take so long, like CryptoPunks. Uh, within a few months, uh, you were seeing highlights trading for hundreds of thousands of dollars on the Dapper Labs NBA Top Shot platform. Uh, NBA players were getting excited about it. You could see signs being held up in uh, NBA arenas all over the country, you know, top shot this to represent a play. And it really um, is the first major commercial success in a broad base. There's about a million people that have bought highlights on NBA top shot, which is a pretty big number. I mean, obviously the NBA has hundreds of millions of fans, but about a million people that bought an NBA top shot highlight. Uh, the other thing that happened early 2021 that really got people's attention uh, was a digital artist uh, who goes by the moniker Beeple um, sold a painting at auction, a sorry, not a painting, but a digital piece of art at auction uh, for $69 million. It got a tremendous amount of press. It was a huge wake up call to the art world uh, that a piece of purely digital art sold as an NFT could have that type of a sale price, tens of millions of dollars for a living artist. Uh, unheard of and really shocked the world. The next big profile picture project, the Board Apes project was launched by a group called Yuga Labs. And by summer 2021, it was rocking. Uh, celebrities own and display as profile pictures from Steph Curry and the NBA to the rapper Eminem uh, to, uh, you know, on and on and on. Dozens of celebrities have uh, gone into that project. And the other huge thing that happened in, uh, in 2021 is the emergence of uh, the first kind of major hit in blockchain gaming. Uh, Axie is a game actually launched in 2018, 
So it had been around for about three years. There was very limited players going on. And in 2021, it exploded. Uh, they went from virtually no sales of their NFT game to 100 million sales in March of 2021. They were at 350 million sales in the month of July 2021. And by August, they had 10x that number and did 3 billion a month. Uh, in August of 2021. So the game just exploded. You, it's a game basically where you buy three of these little cute Axie uh, NFTs and they look kind of like Pokemon and you do a little three-on-three -three battle video game. It had a bunch of economic stuff that I'm not gonna, we don't really have the time to cover, but uh, just an enormous hit from basically no sales, less than a million in sales to, you know, 100 million in March, 300 million in July, and 3 billion by August. So just a runaway hit. Um, and it's continued to see big numbers. Uh, the last thing around the NFT history that I think is important is to talk about OpenSea. OpenSea is the eBay for NFTs. It's the marketplace on which you can trade uh, NFTs. And again, just astronomical, explosive growth. 100 million in total sales in March, 350 million in July. Uh, and, you know, multiple billion by, uh, by August. So just explosive growth numbers. A lot of that was driven by the projects that we've spoken about. CryptoPunks, Bored Apes, and Axie Infinity make up a huge chunk of the trading volume of OpenSea. So just massive explosion in volume thrust into the uh, culture with Top Shot, uh, you know, shocked the art world with the $69 million Beeple NFT sale and really just changed everything over the course of this year. So just to kind of briefly review back some of the bigger categories, it's a couple of big categories I think of as NFTs, uh, collectibles, things like CryptoKitties, NBA Top Shot, something that you're buying to simply hold and collect and that you generally are hoping is gonna go up in value. Uh, you have art projects like the one-off project, like the Beeple projects, those are individual one-of-one -one items. And then there's like another really popular project called Art Blocks or Fidenza. There's a variety of different art projects that have had seven figure sales. Um, you have the profile picture projects headlined by CryptoPunks and Bored Apes. There are literally thousands of profile picture projects now. It seems like every day there's a dozen new ones or more that come out. Um, so very saturated. You have the gaming NFTs, Axie Infinity being the biggest. Uh, but the metaverse game, Sandbox, Decentraland, also coming on fast. And Axie Infinity's you know, success has spawned a tremendous amount of other uh, blockchain games, a number of which we've invested in. You've got really cool things happening in the entertainment space with NFTs. Um, one of my favorite NFT projects to date is something called Stoner Cats. Uh, Stoner Cats was done by the actress Mila Kunis and her husband, actor uh, Ashton Kutcher. They created um, a, an animated TV show about a old lady who has a whole lot of cats and likes to smoke pot. And so she's the stoner cats hang out with the old lady. And instead of taking that show and selling it to a television network like, um, you know, uh, a Turner's Adult Swim or selling it to Netflix, uh, they sold it to the fans. So they created stoner cat collectibles. And the only way to watch the show that they've created with all these stars in it uh, they even created one uh, character around Vitalik Buterin, the founder of uh, Ethereum, 
And the only way to watch the show is to own the NFTs and attach your digital wallet to the website to be able to watch that show. Um, so I think that's one of the more interesting things that's been done. There's other cool things with gated content in the NFT space. Um, there's a book about the founding of Ethereum called The Infinite Machine, which is a great read if you're interested in the founding of Ethereum. And the author of it sold um, over 10 million in NFTs to raise money to turn that book into a movie. Um, and so they sold that to fans as kind of first look, first access. So we're seeing really cool things being done with NFTs for access to content. Um, and the other thing in, in entertainment to mention is uh, you're seeing a company that popped up and now they've got a bunch of competitors called Royal, which is short for royalties, was launched by a uh, uh, dance music, digital dance music uh, DJ called Blau. And Royal is effectively securitizing or selling off a piece of the royalties on a song uh, to pay musicians up front for future streaming royalties. So really cool things happening in, uh, in entertainment. It's happening across a lot of different verticals there. Um, and I think it's really, really exciting. And then the last big category of, uh, of NFTs is around um, you know, sports, gambling, fantasy sports. A huge runaway success out of Europe is called So Rare. Uh, they built a fantasy sports game around European soccer, European football, uh, where you uh, buy NFT cards of your favorite players and you set them in lineups and contests. Um, there's a U.S. company called Own the Moment that's doing something similar in NFL fantasy sports. And then DraftKings, the biggest, one of the biggest uh, U.S. sports betting organizations, is also launching a fantasy game for the next NFL season. So tremendous different uses of NFTs out there collectibles, art, profile pictures, gaming, entertainment, gambling, and it just goes on and on and on. The creativity and the speed at which this is moving, it's just, I mean, it's unlike anything. Maybe you could go back to early days of social media. Probably you'd really have to go back to the early days of the internet, late 99, 2000, where you know things were popping up so fast. It was just shocking how quick things were happening. And that's what's going on right now. Um, I want to talk briefly about uh, different chains in case you haven't been familiar with this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. It's a big topic, uh, but it's worth talking about a little bit. The big concept in, um, in different blockchains and deciding which blockchains or how the blockchains operate is called the scalability trilemma. So there's basically three things you can try to do with a blockchain. And generally speaking to date, nobody has figured out how to build a blockchain that can do more than two of the three. Um, so scalability, which is like how fast can you process transactions and how cheaply can you process transactions is one item that a blockchain can attack. Uh, decentralization. So does anyone have centralized control or is it truly up to all the users of the blockchain? Um, and then security. How safe and secure is that blockchain? And so the concept of the scalability trilemma says nobody can make a blockchain that's good at all three. Um, eventually somebody will crack this nut, but so far nobody has. Um, the most popular blockchain for NFTs right now is Ethereum. Ethereum has about a $400 billion market cap. It's probably got 90% plus of the NFTs that are out there. And in the scalability trilemma, they are, they are um, sacrificing scalability for pure decentralization and high security. Uh, so as a result, Ethereum is slow to process transactions and it can get real expensive. Individual transactions and NFTs on Ethereum can sometimes cost 50 to $100.
uh, which is very prohibitive in you know gaming, gambling, entertainment, and places like that where you might have lower value items. It's not a big deal if you're talking about a $200,000 crypto punk to pay 50 bucks, uh, but it's a big problem if you want to do a $50 stoner cat. Um, so that's the trade-off. Ethereum still has about a 90% market share. Uh, Fast-growing competitor to Ethereum is Solana or Sol for short. Uh, they have about a $45 billion market cap to Ethereum's $400 billion. And they focused on being cheaper and faster than Ethereum. Uh, and they sacrificed on decentralization. So Solana has more control by the Solana team. They raised venture money in uh, token sales. And as a result, they get criticized for being somewhat centralized and not as open as the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, the other big blockchain that has grown pretty fast and I think it's got a lot of upside is called Flow. Uh, Flow was built by Dapper Labs, the creators of NBA Top Shot and CryptoKitties and a bunch of other important projects. Uh, also like Solana, focused on being cheap and fast, but very un you know much more centralized. Uh, but they've got some big important projects. The last thing around chains that I'll cover just briefly is um, those are what's considered layer one chains, meaning they are the individual chain that is on the blockchain and validated by the validators. Um, there's a concept called layer twos, which layer on top of a layer one. Generally, this means that you basically are able to take large groups of transactions, bundle them together and write them once, typically to the Ethereum blockchain. Um, so they're being used in places where you can bundle transactions, where you need to do high volumes, where you want to bring the cost down. So you only pay that gas fee one time. Uh, the two most popular are polygons, probably the fastest growing. Uh, and then in the gaming space, uh, Immutable has been quite uh, successful in the gaming space. So just another way to get the safety and security and decentralization of the Ethereum chain without having to pay the high gas fees. Um, so just briefly touching on that. One of the most important um, battlegrounds in the uh, NFT space over the next few years is going to be whether OpenSea can hold on to its early lead as the you know, de facto trading location for NFTs. Uh, that is not guaranteed. They are in the lead today. Uh, they've got a lot going for them, but there are strong competitors coming behind them. As I said, they did about 3 billion in monthly transactions. They've raised a $300 million Series C at an unbelievable valuation of $13 billion. That was only 10 months after their Series A. So they went from Series A to Series C, valuation from a couple hundred million to 13 billion in less than a year. I mean, I don't know where you could look to find something that had this amount of value created in that short a period of time. It's gotta be a record or darn close. Um, right now, they only allow for trading of Ethereum and related blockchain. <clears throat> but they have announced, uh, just, just last week, they announced that Solana will be coming to uh, OpenSea. It's going to be interesting to see how they do. The, most of the Solana NFTs are traded on a platform called Magic Eden. They just raised a $35 million Series A. Um, and they, they get all the trading volume there in, uh, in um, Solana. It'll be interesting to see if uh, OpenSea eats their lunch or if uh, Solana manages to defend or Magic Eden defends it. Uh, the big one that's coming any day now is Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase, with their tens of millions of users on their traditional crypto project, has a uh, NFT platform that's been announced. It's out there. They've got an integrated Coinbase wallet. It, it'll make it a lot easier for Coin, you know, Coinbase um, crypto holders to be able to do things. I think they're going to be a very formidable player. 
Um, the, and then, you know, look, you can't rule out the tech giants. Um, you know, will Apple, will Google fade into this in some way? Will Amazon come in? Will eBay, who's a little bit tried to be the eBay of NFTs, allow this to happen? Um, we'll see how these play out. I think there'll be some very interesting things in the wallet space, the digital wallet space over the next few years. Uh, I think Apple and Google are poised to take that market over. Um, if they decide to go after it, they already have a digital wallet on every phone in the world, right? I mean, there's already a digital wallet in your Google phone and your Apple phone. It just doesn't allow you to buy crypto or NFTs. It would not be hard for those folks to add it. I just think they're being much more conservative in, uh, from a regulatory perspective and not rushing into it. So we'll see how they decide to play out. Just to briefly touch on two other concepts around uh, NFTs before we move into tokens and, and some other areas. Um, the other big question everyone's asking in another place I see a ton of startup pitch decks is uh, who's going to be the Shopify for NFTs. Uh, there are a lot of competitors out there. I've seen at least a dozen pitch decks of people that want to help brands uh, or people with IP or uh, creators get NFTs to their fans. Um, there's a couple that I've seen. Uh, there's a great one in Atlanta called Gig Labs. That's doing some very interesting things on the Flow blockchain. Shopify itself is now allowing for integration and sale of NFTs. If you have a Shopify store, so if you're a brand that already has a Shopify store or a creator that has one, uh, but I think that's going to be a really another very very interesting place where there's a lot a lot of value creation uh, to come, and we'll be interesting to see who gets it. And then the last topic I'll just cover briefly, in, and I referred to it a teeny bit earlier, uh, but uh, there are a lot of regulatory issues in the U.S. specifically around uh, NFTs. It's entirely possible uh, that one day NFTs could be considered a security under U.S. securities law, uh, which would be very, very bad. Uh, it would require registration of those as securities. Um, there are certain types of NFTs that skirt that line more than others. Um, and there are certain projects that, you know, the creators are not selling to U.S. citizens as a result. So it's a complex issue. Um, it comes down to expectation of cash flow, uh, things around like royalties on music or royalties on, uh, on entertainment properties or um, potential cash flows of things around uh, DAOs or, you know, or, or decentralized organizations, they start to get real close to the red line uh, where you could run the risk that something in the United States could be declared a security. There is not good legal um, to, to people out there who know this yet. Uh, everybody's operating in a vacuum. The, and it's going to be years, uh, years, plural, many years before this gets really resolved. I think it's highly unlikely we'll see a comprehensive uh, crypto bill pass through the U.S. Congress and get signed into law by the president um, in you know, President Biden's first term. Uh, and whether he's reelected or not and what happens to Congress will determine whether something could even happen in 2025. I think it'll be 2025 before we get a comprehensive look at you know, a digital asset or crypto bill. So it's, it's, it's a complex issue. Um, there's certain things that are considered pretty, there's a lot more. The big picture on NFTs, I want to cover two other quick topics and then we'll just kind of open it up to more flowing questions. But I want to talk a little bit about tokens. Um, so tokens basically allow for fan communities to be built um, around, uh, around a token. Um, the uh, a good place to start is with a company called Rally, Rally.io. 
so rally.io allows individual creators, athletes, entertainers to launch a token uh, tied to themselves. Um, so uh, there have been tokens created for 150 plus creators, everything from Grammy winning musicians to soccer stars to American football stars, um, all kinds of different wide range. And it's basically a way for uh, a creator or a, an influencer or an athlete to interact with their fan base. Um, the company rally has raised about 50 million bucks in VC money and the rally token itself that kind of governs the whole ecosystem sports about a $500 million market cap. Um, you buy a token from the creator and then they can decide how to use it to engage their community. Creators are doing things like private discords, um, exclusive merchandise, access to tickets for live events, uh, polling their fans for what clothing they should wear, what their walkout song should be for a fighter or whatever they want to do. But the key to a successful fan token for a creator is you got to use it and the fans have to feel closer to you uh, because of that token. And the concept is that if that um, creator does a good job creating community and they become more popular, the price of the token will rise. You know, uh, the common refrain is, you know, what if you had bought uh, Taylor Swift token when she was just playing little clubs in Nashville? Or what if you had bought LeBron James token when he first started playing or Lionel Messi or Ronaldo and they become the biggest star in the world? In theory, the token price will go up. Um, still a pretty small market, no major, major entrance in this yet no kind of like, you know, industry defining stars, but it's something to really keep watch on. And then fan tokens for teams and leagues are another really interesting application of this. There's a company out of Europe called Socios, S-O-C-I-O-S. Um, and they have the Chili's token, uh, which carries a $1.7 billion market cap, mostly working with European soccer teams, but just starting in the US here in the last month. Uh, they just signed two weeks ago, they signed Lionel Messi to a $20 million promotional deal to promote the Socios platform and the, the tokens. So they're making a serious move out there. Uh, and it's the same concept, you know, uh, a token gets issued for Real Madrid, it gets sold to fans. Um, you know, they're doing some things to engage their fans in, the, in there. They're doing fan polls. They're asking what uh, color kit, the jerseys they should wear. They're holding exclusive fan events, making tickets available first to the token holders. They're finding ways to engage their community around it. It's still very nascent. Um, and, you know, people talk about it in the concept of I'm buying the fan token for a team or a player, and I'm going to make money by guessing early who's going to be successful. It's not the tokens don't really work that way yet, uh, but it is the concept. And I think it's an interesting concept that, um, you know, that bears some merit and is worth watching. Um, I want to talk about two last topics briefly, um, and we won't go into a ton of detail, but one of my um, uh, one of the areas I'm most fascinated in is uh, how tokens are being used to build marketplace businesses. So, you know, a traditional marketplace business like an eBay or a, um, an Airbnb, uh, they have to acquire supply and demand to the marketplace. And the traditional way of doing that is you go out and you raise a whole lot of venture capital dollars to advertise and bring on supply and demand to your marketplace. And once you get to some scale, the flywheel starts spinning and the business starts growing very fast and becomes very big and creates a big competitive advantage for that marketplace. That's a traditional way of doing it. Um, 
we haven't seen any of these marketplaces come to sports or entertainment yet, uh, but I think they will. And I think the most interesting place this is happening is a company called Brain Trust. So Brain Trust is a talent marketplace. Uh, it's a place for large corporations to hire tech developers for projects. Um, and um, they have utilized the Brain Trust token as a way to bring in supply and demand. So they haven't had to raise um, as much venture dollars to get the flywheel spinning. They ended up raising a bunch of venture dollars, but for slightly different reasons. But the idea is when a, a tech developer signs up to be um, available to work on the Brain Trust network, they get given tokens. And when they complete their profile on the Brain Trust network, more tokens. And when they bid for their first job from a corporation, more tokens. And they keep giving them these tokens. And the concept is, brain trust can make as many tokens as they want. The tokens don't cost them anything. Um, and so it doesn't require the same type of ownership structure as an eBay or an Airbnb type of marketplace uh, or even OpenSea. I mean, OpenSea was run just like a traditional centralized marketplace, even though it was trading NFT or decentralized assets. So I think there's some really, really interesting things that are going to happen here. I think you're going to see this applied across all kinds of different talent marketplaces. I think you can see this applied in anything from ticket marketplaces, somebody going after a ket master or SeatGeek or something like that, StubHub, uh, could utilize a decentralized token model as a way to incentivize supply and demand. Um, there's just, you know, so many interesting things that can be done here. We've seen uh, marketplaces connecting brands and influencers. They could be utilizing tokens. Um, you know, there's just, there's some really, really interesting things that are going to happen in this space. It's still very early days, uh, but it's an area that bears watching. And if you're building a marketplace business, um, you know, I encourage you to check out what Brain Trust is doing. Um, their founders are really active at jumping out on podcasts and and see how you could maybe apply some of those principles to your business. Last quick thing, and then we'll we'll open it up to questions that I want to talk about are DAOs. Uh, DAO, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. Another terrible name from the crypto world. It is basically a crypto company is a DAO, right? So a DAO is a company that is created on the blockchain. Um, they utilize a token, just like uh, in any of these other cases, uh, to contribute money to the DAO, to get money into the DAO, and to uh, control the operations of the DAO. It effectively becomes like a voting token or governance token. Um, tons of really, really, really cool things happening in sports with DAOs. Uh, there's a group in the United States called Kraus House. Uh, Kraus House is a nod to Jerry Kraus, who was the general manager of the Chicago Bulls during the Michael Jordan days. And Kraus House is trying to accumulate money to buy a NBA basketball team. Um, there's another group that created a DAO to buy the Denver Broncos in the NFL. Um, I do not think there's any chance that there will be a major U.S. sports league that accepts a DAO ownership anytime in the next decade, possibly not anytime in my lifetime. Uh, but um, it is a really cool idea. Uh, a more practical one that's actually looks like it's going to get done is Lynx DAO. Lynx being like for the golf, uh, uh, it's a golf community and they um, sold, uh, they didn't use tokens, they sold NFTs to the DAO and they're using the money to buy a golf course and the NFTs that the users are buying will be their membership 
and allow them to play the golf course the same way you would if you had a membership in a traditional country club. So super cool. That's called LinksDAO. Uh, there's a European football group that is trying to raise money to buy a lower tier European football club. Uh, they are, they've uh, found a funny name. Uh, it's uh, Wag Me. Uh, we are all going to make it, which is a typical refrain in the crypto world. So Wag Me Football Club has raised a bunch of money and is trying to buy, you know, they're not buying uh Paris Saint-Germain or, um, or Bar FC Barcelona, they're going to buy some teeny club in a tiny little league, uh, but super fun, super cool. Um, lots of really, really interesting things coming. And, and, you know, the basic idea is that, you know, DAOs come together and they pool money and can do things together. So a very fun idea, very fun, lots of lots of opportunities and um, a lot of legal complexities around what can a DAO do? How does it work, especially in the United States? Um, people are typically wrapping these DAOs into a traditional U.S. legal structure, uh, either a for-profit company or a not-for-profit company uh, because of the legal complexities. But some very, very cool things that are coming to the sports world in the DAO markets. Um, okay, so I covered a ton of stuff. I did it in a few minutes faster than I hoped, so that was good. So we've got plenty of time for questions. So, you know, NFTs, tokens, decentralized marketplaces, decentralized corporations or DAOs, there's enormous change. And the crazy thing is this has all happened in the last 12 months, 18 months. Um, and so just imagine where we'll be in the next 12 to 18 months. So uh, I'm going to stop there.